Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode 277 of the Talking Chop Podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland. It is Saturday evening for the second week in a row because, once again, the Atlanta professional basketball team is in my way. But, alas, I am joined this week by the great Eric Cole. Hello, sir. Why do you say alas like the reason that you're upset is that I'm on the show, is my question. It's more about not, not being able to record on Sunday. And last week, it would have been nice to record on Sunday because the Braves decided to, as they always do, break semi-interesting news on Sunday morning right after we recorded the podcast. So, Well, I mean, you know, that just means that, you know, something interesting is going to happen. Uh, and True. That's, that's good. It's actually been a pretty interesting week, too. So I'm, I'm pretty excited to talk some baseball. Um, other than that, I mean, everything's going well with me. Everything going well with you? Yeah, living the dream. You know, we do what we do. Uh, yeah, kicking around, and we'll talk some baseball. As everybody probably saw this as they clicked on the podcast, but the most of the show today will be the bullpen preview. If you missed it last week, Scott and I talked about the bench, and then of course they added uh, immensely to the bench at least options. No one. Oh, yeah. uh, Brace yourselves, Shane Green is coming. Yeah, uh, maybe, maybe we'll do a pre uh, pre recording about Shane Green tonight or something like that, but. You know, we'll talk about the myriad transactions the Braves had this week, all of which were very minor, but they all happened, except for uh, Snicker, we'll talk about in a second. But um, I'll just say this at the top. It's Saturday night. It's February 27th. The Braves play a baseball game tomorrow on Sunday afternoon. They it's, do. They it, do. It's a spring game. It doesn't matter, but it matters. And um, a lot of the guys pitching are guys competing for roster spots or competing for roles. It's Kyle Wright. It's Sean Newcomb. It's Grant Dayton. It's Carl Edwards Jr., it's Chad Sabaka. It's Patrick Weigel. All those guys are on my list to discuss, except for Wright, who is more in the uh, rotation preview. Um, all those guys are on my list to discuss later on in the podcast. So there's stuff to watch on Sunday. Obviously, spring training baseball is an interesting thing. You are uh, sort of have an eye on your on the prospects as well, I'm sure. But uh, I mean, are you excited about this? We're basically here. I, I am really excited. Uh, I, I'm. I think I might be a little bit more excited once you know, like minor league camp starts breaking and all that, and I'm. There's very logical reasons as to why it's kind of being broken up as opposed to like me, like making calls and like all that stuff as to what's going on down in the, on the backfields while everyone else is caring what's going on for roster spots. Uh, but overall, I mean, like, you know, getting to see a lot of these young guys again for the first, you know, for a long, it's been a long time for a few of them in particular, and just kind of really getting the deck into the swing of regular coverage because the off season can be for us difficult uh we have to kind of like fish hope hope the braves make a transaction so we have something to talk about um and kind of getting back to that swing of actual regular coverage uh especially with the minor league season actually happening this year uh fingers crossed fingers and toes crossed that that continues to be the case 
um, you know, trying to get back in the swing of things is going to be really helpful. Like, you know, for my just general mental well-being, and I know that a lot, a lot of us are kind of going to feel the same way. We actually get to talk about the sport that's happening rather than just kind of a lot of conjecture. So, um, again, kind of looking forward to it. And you know, the game, I'm going to be watching the game closely. There's definitely some arms that I'm really kind of want to see how that goes. You know, don't be too results oriented. If I hear people, if people tweet at me that you know like you know the season's over because they lose like eight to two tomorrow or something <laughs> I, I i mean like you're gonna get made fun of i'm just gonna go ahead and tell you now yeah i mean the results in spring and that's why i mean part of this is that the braves usually play in the afternoon so i don't i don't get to watch a ton of live spring training baseball usually just because of work stuff and i try to catch up on guys when when it's important to do so but yeah it'll be interesting to see on of course tomorrow sunday and we'll all be able, we'll all be able to kind of always try to tune in for a part of that and That'll be fun. I'm excited to talk about, you know, live game action once again. Um, the one the one real piece of, like, pretty big news, even if it wasn't shocking at all, was that the Braves uh, extended Brian Snicker's contract on Friday. They announced that. It's through 2023 with a 2024 club option. I tweeted this. I was, surpri- I was a little bit surprised that it wasn't already done, quite frankly, because of all the success, how much they love Snicker. And, you know, just in, in practice... Most of the time, managers need to have a couple uh, of years in their contract. Uh, lame duck managers do not really happen very often, especially when they're in, when they're in good stead. And obviously, everyone with the Braves loves Snicker, and you know, even as a podcast that has poked fun at him from time to time, I will say uh, he's beloved, quite obviously. And I think he's also gotten better in terms of his tactical stuff too. So no issue with this whatsoever. And like, again, my, my takeaway was that I was like kind of surprised it ha- hadn't already happened. Was that your reaction too? Sort of went through your mind when that happened. So uh, you have a couple like really good points that I kind of wanted to address is that one is that Snitker as a game tactician and like decision maker has gotten significantly better over the course of like, you know, he, you know, was named the manager after Freddie Gonzalez. And then, you know, he kind of got the next year and it kind of was doing these one, we were doing these one year deals. And you know, the first time we're like, well, the Braves clearly are not, are really not sure about Snit. And that's kind of what our thinking was, was that, you know, you know, from a tactical perspective, you know, even if he is a great players manager, you know, he might not be making all the decisions that need to be made uh, in the correct way. But those decisions got significantly better over the course of the last few years. And so it turned to wonder, like, you know, like he is getting better and, you know, he has all these other like intangible qualities about him that are good. You know, why are they only going one year at a time? Is this, you know, is this an age thing? Is this just kind of a, you know, just a still a kind of an extended wait and see type thing? So I was, I mean, at this point, I was kind of like, you know, why are we continuing to do one-year deals with him when we could, you know, he's, the list of guys who I would prefer to have over Snit at this point is short. And if that's the case, then you need to just, that's just a move that you need to make to extend him. You know, for out again, he's not a super young guy, so you can't like, you know, give him like a crazy, like, you know, crazy long deal or anything like that, because he may decide that, you know, to, to hang it up, you know, at some point. So you know, this deal seems about right. And I'm happy for Snit. He's, you know, obviously be- beloved in that b- locker room. He, the the front office seems to really kind of have, this is a vote of confidence deal as well uh, in terms of what he's been doing. And in right, rightly so, you know, you can make fun of Snit for his decision-making at times, but I mean, in the National League Championship Series, he was the best manager in that series. Yes, he was. And, and he was the best. I would, every playoff series that the Braves were in last year, he was the better manager. Full stop. Yeah, I mean, and we, I we, did it. we said that on the podcast. I mean, kind of, yep. people were kind of surprised, but yeah, at the time, I know, I know we have the rep for criticizing him and that's, and that's totally fine. And we probably earned that rep, but uh, sure. we, we were pretty, 
pretty uh, effusive in our praise of Snicker. I mean, there was a thing here and there in the playoffs, but he was generally good in that in those several series in a row. So, no complaints. Yeah. I mean, and honestly, like I said, like this is kind of a no brainer at this point. Like, if you win three divisions, division titles in a row, in which you talent wise are not like leaps and bounds better than your than, than your uh, competition, the manager is going to get praise for that, and he should. And also. Like we've all said, he's just beloved. Like every, everybody loves the guy in the organization. And what are you going to do? Like make him a lame duck and then let him go and make the playoffs. That, that's not going to happen. Like maybe, maybe two years in a row, if they kind of flame out something like that. But right now the leash is very long. And with that said, go ahead and lock him up contractually reward him a little bit. And that's, that's totally fine. I mean, that's, it's kind of a no brainer. Like I said. Yeah, absolutely. I'm happy for him. Happy for him. Yeah, it should be fun. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, some stability there. Is not I, a bad thing. I, I, I I will say just one note though is that some of the decisions that drove me the craziest with Snitger weren't in play last year because of the DH. Oh yeah. So that, that's I'm curious well. <laughs> now. I am curious now. I mean, again, we don't know. Well, the and the bench is kind of a, an ever evolving thing, and the bullpen is an ever evolving situation. I am curious as to how those decisions are made now versus say 2019. Because 2019, you know, again, was better, but was also kind of still in that, uh, I'm not so sure about this. So I'm curious as to whether or not the decisions that are going to have to be made this year that didn't have to be made last year and may not need to be made after this year, how much those matter? That's that's a curiosity I have, no more. I think that is an excellent point because uh, it's a lot harder to manage without the DH just for a number of different reasons. That, that's not breaking news by us. Like that's not a groundbreaking analysis from our, from us, but there's just a lot more to do. If you have to think about pinch hitting uh, every time through the order, uh, late in games, double, double, double switches, and... all that stuff comes back into play. And I'm, I'm glad you said that. Not that we're terrified. At least I'm not terrified about it, but it, it is a little bit more difficult to manage in this year's climate, especially with a longer season, all that stuff versus last year's kind of sprint and the DH and all that. So we'll see, but, uh, you know, congrats to Snicker on his new deal. Um, Freddie Freeman's now in camp. His wife had twins, uh, this week or earlier last week. He may miss the most of the first week of play, but just want to say congrats to him. No, no concerns about baseball stuff there, but, uh, Freddie's in camp and getting ready to go and all is well there, which is cool. I I will say, did you hear this? Did you read the story about, uh, his twins? Uh, the Buster only story. Yes, I did. Yep, that, that is a that is a fascinating story, and like I'm I'm thrilled for like his family and all that. Like to go through what they went through, and then to like end up with tw- you know with twins, <laughs> you know, out, out from all that, you know, having a baby with a surrogate, and then end up being pregnant on their own. Like that that blows my mind. I did not realize that was the case until I read that story, and like Same. I don't know what it was. As a dad, I was just kind of like blown away by that, and like. You know, like you're really trying to be a the dad and all of a sudden you just have two extra baby, you know, an extra baby <laughs> beyond what you're, you know what I mean? Like I'm, I was blown away and, you know, I'm super happy for them. Uh, you know, I've, <laughs> I already had some people tweeting at me, like, you know, are we worried that, you know, Freddie's going to be rusty since he's not in camp early? I'm like, I'm not worried no. at all. And he can take all the time that he wants. Uh, <laughs> if any, if any guy in the roster is going to be fine for missing the first week or two of spring, it's going to be Freddie. And more importantly, that doesn't matter. You know, like, it's yeah, just, it I mean, doesn't. we'll get into that on the lineup preview episode. Uh, Freddie's performance from last year, obviously was incredible. Uh, people have kind of forgotten this, but Freddie actually started terribly last year and then won and then won the MVP. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, he, he, he like walked a ton, but didn't do much else. That's right. I remember that now. Yeah, I mean, he, he of course had the, the bout with COVID and was, you know, had been sick and started out badly and then it didn't matter. So, 
no concerns there and congrats to their family. Uh, the rest of these uh, sort of flurry transactions, I'll just kind of go through quickly here. They're all bench related, which again is funny after our bench preview dropped last week. The big, the biggest one was Jake Lamb, who I tacked on a three minute discussion on in the last podcast. But it's a, it's officially a one million dollar contract for Lamb. It's a, it's a major league deal, but it's not guaranteed. Um, did you have thoughts? I mean, I, I kind of shared mine. I think it's a pretty, pretty good move. A pretty, you know, obviously low risk, but also reasonably high reward from a guy who's been pretty good in the past. What were your thoughts on the Braves adding Jake Lamb? You know, it gives you some insurance in case Austin Riley is not what you think he is and as a bench piece you know like that's like that's the guy you want right you know what i mean like we were looking at this bench you know before all these you know these various waiver claims and you know these minor signings and it was looking pretty rough and lands a guy that hits for power he can play third you can probably play him in the outfield if you need to and he's a guy that can like has played at everyday position you know fairly recently has he been able to stay healthy no has he looked good the last few years no but he's a guy that, that like you said there's some upside there so if you have that guy coming off your bench that's perfectly fine and it's not a guaranteed deal and a one million dollar non-guaranteed deal the list of those that are bad is non-existent i think you know like you just see how he looks in the spring and if he's you know if he hits reasonably well then he's your one of your bench bats it's just that simple yeah, and he, he actually had a few flashes at the end of last season that apparently got some people turning their heads. I won't have claimed to see that, but the numbers were good for a few weeks at the end of the season. You know, I'm fine with this. He has talent, uh, given what they given what the Braves had on the bench before this, as we discussed for an hour last week. Uh, you know, no issue whatsoever with bringing in Jake Lamb to potentially help that unit. Um, they also The Braves also claimed Philip Irvin off waiver from the Cubs on Monday of last week. He's a 28-year-old outfielder. He actually has been like a decent major leaguer in about one full season's worth of playing time. Uh, it's it's over multiple seasons, but he has a 91 WRC plus in his career. Um, he struggled last season, but in a pretty small sample size, he hits. Uh, he actually hit pretty well in 2019. That was probably his, his best season overall, and he hits lefties, which is notable because if they were to keep him around as like a fifth outfielder type. Ender obviously does not hit lefties really at all, um, and the Braves, you know, it, it's not it's not not the worst thing in the world to have a guy who kind of specializes in that way. He has a career eight eleven OPS against lefties. It's it's a fairly small sample size, but I think that's his kind of report as well. So, you know, not a prospect. He's twenty eight, but another guy who brings depth, and uh, he's the most interesting of the outfield additions in my view, anyway. Uh, I would agree with that, and you know, bringing a guy like that who is you know again not. He's not like an an old retread per se, you know, but he's a guy that if he's competing for a roster spot in spring, he is interesting, uh, but only as a bench bat. I mean, he's not a guy that's like, you know, like going to come out of nowhere and, you know, like steal a, like a seal roster spot other than like that last spot on your roster, if that makes any sense. So and if this is the guy that they wanted to come and do, you know, hit against lefties or just kind of be another sort of outfielder type, then, then that would be fine. Uh, I'm not sure if that's kind of what the direction the Braves are going to go in, but he's like, you know, for just a waiver claim, like this is a lot more interesting than a lot of the other waiver claims that the Braves made, uh, including, um, you know, the couple, <laughs> one or two that we're about to talk about, because you know, amongst all those, he's probably the more interesting. Yeah, I mean, they also claimed uh, Guillermo Heredia off waivers from the Mets while DFAing Jack Mayfield. By the way, also, they, they DFA'd, uh, sorry, they outrighted Travis Demerit and Phil Pfeiffer, and then they re-signed Demerit to a minor league deal. I'm not sure about Pfeiffer. If they did that, I didn't see it. Um, and then they DFA Jack Mayfield, who's now gone. R.I.P. Uh, you know, see you, Jack. Brave um, legend. Yes, brave legend Jack Mayfield. But uh, Heredia is 30 years old and actually has a longer track record of being a little bit worse than Irvin. So of those two guys, uh, you know, blindly, I'm not going to tell you that I'm an expert in either one of them because I'm not. But uh, 
Irvin is younger and has a little bit better track record, so I will lean in that direction. And the Braves also signed Travis Snyder to a minor league deal. Uh, he's 33 years old. He's not played in the majors since 2015. 2015 is a long time ago. Yeah, that that's wild. I didn't realize. Like I I didn't even like when his name popped up, and I'm like, it's not the same Travis Snyder, right? Like I'm just like, and I looked, and I'm like, oh, that is the same guy. Uh, and okay. I mean, he had a couple of moments where he was pretty good. Uh, but I mean, that's six years ago. Uh, you have to say that you expect nothing from that, and if something pops, then great. But it's a minor league deal. Uh, and I. I don't think he was on the official uh, invite list to spring training. I'm not sure. There was at least one of these guys that wasn't on it. It might have been Snyder. Um, also, Terrence Gore they brought in. And Terrence Gore is famous for being, like, a complete and utter specialist. Like, he's very fast. He's a base runner uh, extraordinaire. And a pretty good defender when, when, when he's allowed to do that. But he just never hits and can't hit. So he's, like, the worst version of Billy Hamilton. Basically, uh, yep. Terrence Gore is, you know, he famously was on the Royals when they won, when they won the World Series. Like, he'd be interesting in the playoffs, honestly, to have as, like, the last guy on the bench. But in terms of, like, having a round for the full season, I'm not sure there's a role there. But, you know, not the worst thing in the world. I, he's the one guy that would make that would make some really interesting snicker decisions happen. It's kind of terrifying Fair. in terms of, like, you know, like, you know, like pinch running, like your best hitter. Uh, we could see we could see that happening at some point. Uh, and I would just probably lose my mind under certain circumstances if Terrence Gore was like on the bench somewhere. But you know, for you have for for that guy, it's not there's not a better version of that guy other than Billy Hamilton. And you know, the Braves have have made that move too. So like you know, they clearly kind of value that sort of guy um, going forward. And you know, maybe this is a guy that they just stash in Gwinnett until you know they if they and if they decide they need to have a pinch runner for the playoffs and. They bring him up for the, the playoff rosters, and you know, we get to see some you know, in quotation mark tactics happen with him uh, in late in games. But beyond that, you know, it's a it's a, it's a fairly minor thing. And I think that, for, to be frank, I think that there's some probably better options within the organization that would do more in more situations than Terrence Gore. But you know, having you know one of the best pinch runners in the game, and you just have him in your organization somewhere, there's nothing anything wrong with that. Yeah, and as we discussed last week with Scott, it's this is the time to cycle through guys in spring training. Like the, the fact that Braves made all these transactions is funny after we did the bench preview, to be sure, but it's not surprising at all. Like bringing in a bunch of options when your incumbent bench is not very good is like what you should do. And a couple of minor league contracts here, a couple of low cost, low risk waiver claims. Like yep. that's all just standard procedure. Like it's it's fine. I'm not going to do a deep dive on this stuff. If you want to uh, pass some time, I would recommend like a if you're like a baseball nerd to like fan slash baseball reference dive on Terrence Gore. Cause it's just a fascinating career that he's had. Yeah. He, he has more stolen bases in his career than hits. Like that blows my mind. Like, <laughs> I mean, like, yeah, he, he, and by the way, he's, he's a truly terrible hitter. Like he, he cannot hit, which it's, I feel bad for saying that, but it's, 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 it tells you why he's been used the way he is. Not only is he awesome on the bases, but he, he cannot hit the baseball. So it is what it is. And uh, we'll get into that later. All right, Eric, it's now time to go to a break, but after we come back from a word from our sponsors, we'll get into the Ken Rosenthal report that made the rounds this week about financial flexibility, our favorite word, as well as the bullpen preview, which is going to be, of course, headlined by the top four and then all kinds of positional battles to get into. So with all that said, hold on tight. We'll be right back. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge... That takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs 
can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. All right, Eric, uh, let's go to this Ken Rosenthal report from earlier this week that got a lot of attention. Uh, in in this report, he notes that the Braves are continuing to pursue bullpen help. As we joked earlier on in the podcast, uh, the Shane Green contract could, could drop any moment. Um, but other than that, um, he got into the fact that they actually won Trevor Rosenthal. The offer was not the same level as Oakland, is the way he described that. They also, uh, apparently, reportedly, according to Rosenthal, won Kirby Yates, as well as Melanson, Darren O'Day, and Adam Duvall. All of those the Braves were in on, to some degree, if they were able to do that. But here's the headliner. Rosenthal says, and I'm quoting here, Even though Ozuna's deal is backloaded, the Braves are down to less than $5 million of payroll flexibility in 2021. And he also alluded to the fact that they, um, la- last year, sorry, uh, last year that, that they got caught in a budget crunch was the way that he described it, which is not terribly shocking, but not something that got like, widely reported during last season. And they were pretty inactive at the deadline last year. And that might've been cost related according to this report. So we can get the details if we want to Eric, but, uh, did you have the same visceral reaction that some did about this report or was it something that didn't really uh, shock you too much? I mean, I'm not shocked that the Braves didn't have any money at the trade deadline last year because their headline their headline move when they didn't actually have a starting rotation was Tommy Malone. Tommy, you know, Tommy. Uh, you know, I mean, yeah, they didn't have any money. <laughs> That's you know, some some folks were trying to explain it away, and you know, we and we did kind of mention that maybe they just didn't find a deal that a guy that they liked, but you know, what was more and always more likely was that they couldn't they didn't find a guy that they liked that they could also afford. So. You know, and it stinks because there's obviously some, you know, pandemic related financial situ- uh, situations that are affecting not just the Braves. Uh, there's plenty of guys who can help a lot of could help a lot of teams that are currently unemployed. And it's partially because of, you know, they teams just aren't willing to spend the way they would normally um, uh, with the notable exception of the Dodgers, who apparently just print money out there in, L- in Los Angeles. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'm not I'm not surprised. You know, the if it gets asked that, you know, do the Braves, you know, can, if the Braves feel like they need to go after somebody, can they do that? You know, Terry McGurk and Alex Anthopoulos are going to say yes. That is not still not going to be true. No one's <laughs> going to be able to no one's going to be able to convince me that, you know, well, technically speaking, their corporate structure means that Liberty Media can't tell the Braves how to run things. That That is so incredibly disingenuous and naive to think that like, well, if the corporate structure exists and clearly then there's no, you know, financial meddling from the organ from the corporate entity that literally owns the team. Yes. They probably said, Hey, you need to make sure you watch your budget because we don't have the revenues that we, we had, we wanted and when we needed from, you know, to, 
for whatever reason, you know, that why you would need a certain level of, of revenues for a company that big. Um, and does that mean that maybe if, you know, revenues jump back up and things like the battery are more well, well trafficked and, you know, games, you know, fans get back to games, maybe the Braves have a little bit more money at the trade deadline. Sure. All those things are possible. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's always going to be disappointing that when an ownership group decides to, you know, really crunch down on a team's payroll when one of the best things you can do to bring in revenues is to put a winning product on the field. And for, you know, the second major milestone, one being this past offseason and the last one being the trade the trade deadline is that they didn't do that. This is a team that was one game away from the playoff uh, from the World Series last year, and they did not make a move at the trade deadline last year other than Tommy Malone. And now they were they are functionally bringing back very close to the same roster that they or at least in terms of overall production that they had last year. And getting back to that point is notable. But you wonder what could have been if they had maybe gone after one of the maybe go after one of the higher end guys in addition to what they did do. Now this is the, this is what they had to do. They had to bring back Ozuna to get that extra bat. They had to put some guys in the rotation that weren't hurt. Um, and that makes the it makes that is notable steadiness in the rotation is important. We do think that the bullpen is probably going to be a little bit worse. You know, do we see some regression from other places? Maybe, but. Overall, you know, again, it just stinks that, you know, you feel like the team's like right on the cusp of being able to compete, you know, and the Dodgers went wild after winning the World Series and basically bought up everybody that they ever wanted. They are a better team than they were last year, and they were still very much the best team in the league last year. And the Braves, I mean, I don't I don't think anyone ever expects them to spend like the Dodgers did, but, you know, it'd be nice if they made a little bit more of a move. Yeah, and you know, I agree with you. It's this is this is a situation where I, I get kind of all the angles, and that's not uh, ever a sexy way to sure. address anything. But on one hand, there is a pandemic that that's a real thing, and they they didn't have fans last year. They're sure. going to have reduced fans this year, and by proxy, it should not surprise anyone that they're going to reduce payroll. Uh, it's not great for a fan because listen, we, we've made this point a number of times. I'll make it again now. If you're a fan, you should just want the team to spend. I mean, it's not it's not your money, uh, you know. And given the Braves are owned by a conglomerate of faceless people, uh, it's even easier to be like, please spend money. <laughs> um, so there's there's the, those are the two simplified ways of putting this. The Braves are still a good team on paper. Um, they're not suddenly bad because they can't spend money. But on the flip side, uh, you see what the Dodgers did. You see what the Padres did. You see what even the Mets did. And you might, you know, get a little bit frustrated by that. So the Braves right now are about 130 in, in terms of money, uh, millions, I should say, committed this year. Last year is about 152 before the uh, proration. Uh, even if they use the 5 million number that Rosenthal laid out, they'll still be almost 20 million lower than last year. That That's just a frustrating optic. Uh, you know, in practice, is the team a lot worse now? No, it's not. Like, like you just said, like no. <laughs> things can go very well here. The rotation is obviously better on paper. The lineup is similar on paper than it was a year ago. The bullpen is worse a little bit, as we'll talk about momentarily. But, you know, you could certainly argue this team is as good as it was last year, right now on paper. Uh, You could certainly nitpick that as well, but... They didn't like suddenly, you know, go into rebuild mode here, and that that is what I want to just get the get the point across. It is frustrating to your point that they could have done more here financially, and the market is such where they could have made a pretty big impact for not that much money. That's what frustrates me. I think is that there were some bargains to be had that they didn't 
go out and get. And it seems to be financially motivated. And that that's unfortunate. Obviously, they got Ozuna. And honestly, and you, you sort of alluded to it there, but if they hadn't gotten Ozuna and then this report came out, it would have been uh, a lot easier to bash ownership. I would say. <laughs> <laughs> and it is certainly not a mistake whatsoever that they put this report out. And like two days later, there's a report of how much money, how much loss of revenue the Braves oh, had. Oh, that's all it was. Last, I mean, yeah, that's what it is. Yeah, I mean. yeah no, I mean, like, you know, you know, and I, and I love Tim Tucker at the AGC, by the way. Like, I, 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 every interaction I've had with him has been been excellent. But, I, like, when in doubt, like, if you're if there is a complaint about the amount of money that is being infused into the Braves, into the Braves as an organization, there will be an article that comes out, probably by Tim because he's good at his job and, you know, he's the guy that you want to write this, is, you know, about how what, what the revenue situation is and, you know, and all that stuff, you know conveniently ignoring you know you know what what costs they didn't have to incur in terms of labor and things like that so i'm you know again i'm i am a little bit skeptical based on how the hires up in the organization uh, and we're talking i'm talking about like at the kind of the corporate level have handled like things like this in the past uh and you know like the the whole like like athletic interview, like that two part thing that was end up being this really weird situation where Terry McGurk kind of came across in a way that was, I would say, interesting uh, in terms of how he feel, uh, in terms of how the like the, the decision making process happens and all, all of that. I guess again, I'm I'll, there are real reasons why you would have a decrease in your payroll. And this isn't like a Robert Nutting situation with the Pirates where he's literally stripping down the organization to the studs, you know, and is accepting the fact that a team that wins 60 games every year will still make him money. Like yeah. that, that's, that, that is what the Pirates do. Let's be clear about that. If they win games, is is, is gravy. <laughs> he does, like, that he's is wanting to spend as little on payroll as possible. That isn't what the Braves are doing. However, again, if that $5 million figure is right, which – there's reason to believe that maybe that the Braves might have a little bit more if they really needed to, right? Like that could that could fees, that could theoretically happen. That is the, that uh, is the, the, that is the question, really, because it's it's tough to make this point now after you, after the last deadline because of Malone. But two years ago, they went over their projected payroll pretty comfortably because and they let Antopoulos spend in the middle of the season, like so. Yeah, and any any specific figure that leaks out of this front office, you should also be immediately skeptical of. You know what I mean? Because they just they just don't like information. You know what I mean? Like Rosenthal is one of the best, one of the best at what he does. And I'm still like, eh. I mean, I think that they have a limits on their payroll, but I mean, maybe that number isn't quite right. Yeah. The number, you know, it's easy to focus on because it's a number that is now out there. And uh, I think Rosenthal is probably right on some level here, but yeah, the specifics are certainly not uh, ironclad. We'll, we'll just say regardless, it does kind of explain why got even guys like Duvall and Melanson got away for instance, like even the guys that, that they could have brought back, not to mention Rosenthal who got $11 million. Like that one was easy to explain, but you know, if they go into the season with the current roster, it's not going to look great. Like, you know, the bullpen is worse for instance, as, as, we're, as we're about to discuss. And there's, there's some spots to upgrade if they wanted to do that. And they didn't. So um, it's, it's tough on one hand to say, we are trying to win the world series. Look at us. We were one out and to your point again, they were one out away from the World Series, and they can make this point because of that. But it's hard to make that point when the Dodgers and Padres are just doing stuff, <laughs> and the Braves really didn't do much. But hey, they got Ozuna, and they're uh, that 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 saved them some ire, to be sure. Because we oh, absolutely, I would definitely be killing them right now if they had not gotten Ozuna. So, 
alas. <laughs> and they signed him to a, a really good deal. Yeah, <laughs> like, a quality you know, contract. Uh, but honestly, this is the last thing I'll say about this before we move on to the bullpen. The fact that they that they did backload the Ozuna deal, and we noted this at the time, they paid him $12 million this year. It felt like explicitly to have more flexibility, and maybe it was just because they didn't have any flexibility. Like, already. You know what I mean? Like, the backloading feels worse now because maybe it was just like, oh, we have to do this because we can't spend any money this year. <laughs> Not to add flexibility for this year the way that I thought they might have been doing. So, I don't know. Yeah, either they didn't want to pay for his defense, you know? <laughs> well, yeah, that, I mean, it's all it's all intertwined, I would imagine. Yeah. But, yeah. Okay, we'll, we'll, move on. we'll go to the bullpen now. Uh, this is going to be interesting because the bullpen is notoriously the toughest thing to discuss. Relievers are volatile, as we'll get into here. Uh, quite a bit, but there are four guys, and we'll start here. There are four guys that I have in the full-blown, absolute lock, if they're healthy, they're on the team column, and they're also okay. the four guys that are pegged for late-inning work, and those are Tyler Matzik, yep. AJ Minter, yep. Chris Martin, yep. and Will Smith. Yep, 100%. Okay, no no, no controversy there. We'll save those guys nope. for the end. Those, those guys will be at the end. So, what we know is, they have to build the rest of the bullpen, Um. And we don't know who it's going to be. So I'm going to throw out a ton of names right now, and then we'll talk about these guys more individually. You have the long man possibilities. Uh, they brought Josh Tomlin back for about a million dollars back in November. That was a quiet move. Old friend. Old friend Josh Tomlin. That was a very quiet move that happened a long time ago, but he's under contract. Um, they have Huascar. Go ahead. Do we know if that's a before? I, I want to make sure I'm just kind of thinking about this. Is was that a non guaranteed deal or not? Man, I, I looked at this today and I couldn't find out. But I will say this: it would be a shock to me if he signed a non guaranteed deal in November. You know what I mean? Yeah, that, fair. That doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I mean, maybe he did, and I just don't understand why he would do that. But that deal got signed three months, three plus months ago, and I, I don't know. I don't know if you're Josh Tomlin why you would do that if it was non guaranteed. I could be wrong, but. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, but I couldn't find it, so I, I will not swear to that, but that was my thinking on that one. So you have Tomlin, who, you know, we'll see. They don't have to keep him, but he's around. They like Josh Tomlin. Uh, you have Huascar Inoa, who became a legend at one point in the playoffs. Uh, he's still 22, by the way. That was younger than I thought he was before I looked this up. And uh, Brian Snicker talked about him in a nice way today. He could be starter depth as well. He could be a long relief option, but he's around. And then I put Bryce Wilson just on my sheet. I think we'll talk about him more in the rotation preview, but he could be in the pen at some point, um, in my view. Those are the guys who are like the long man options, I think. Did you think of anybody else, like maybe out of the minor league, something like that? I guess Patrick Weigel maybe could be in this mix as well of long men options. Yeah, I mean, Weigel, I mean, if you if you want if you really feel like you need to keep De La Cruz like in the major leagues, you know, like, just they'll, 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 yeah, just just Seals kind of a guy that they just sort of used as like the roster move. Not as <laughs> they didn't actually use him in games, so I'm a little bit questionable as to whether or not that's the case. Um, maybe if you think that Arano can, you know, go a few innings, but beyond that, I mean, like those those are the names for like the the long man type. Um, I mean, I guess you could lose use like Luke Jackson in those types of situations on occasion, but generally speaking, the longer you keep Luke Jackson in games, the worse he gets. So, um, <laughs> uh, well, I mean, he's I mean, like it's true. when he was when he was good, you know, he was fresh, and he would get his three guys out throwing that slider as hard as he could. Uh, if he has to kind of you know dial things back a little bit, and you have to leave him in there for multiple innings, that is not ideal. That's just not who he is. So. You know, but again, like I think the guys that you keyed in on were the kind of the, the main options, I think. Yeah, so there's no way you're carrying more than two of them. It might only be no. one, um, and we'll see. But certainly not more than two, I think, is the safe bet there. Uh, 
it's too early to try to guess this without spring training. Um, I think they they definitely like Enoa. If you listen to what Snit said today, that you know that doesn't mean all, everything all the time. But given that in the playoffs, and they trusted him a few times, and he's still so young, you know, being 22, um, he's a part of the future. Not like obviously a core piece, but he's a guy that they definitely want to be uh, in business with at this point in time. So, uh, I would lean towards Tomlin if he looks okay in spring being on the team, just because of the commitment and the fact that he's a vet and all that stuff. But Carry one or two of those guys, we'll say. Uh, definitely one, maybe not more than one. Um, go ahead. Well, I, I would say that I think that the organization, at the very least, you know, Snit likes Tomlin. He does. Um, he was certainly scary in the playoffs at times, but it is not a high. He's not a high. Uh, not a high leverage option. Although Tomlin no. was good in the bullpen last year. Yeah, no, he did, he, especially especially early on. Yeah, right. Uh, I don't his special pattern of junk balling that doesn't result in home runs. I just, I'm like, is this the year? It's hard Whereas, to watch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it's like, I mean, this is a guy that like had real home run problems when he was in the, with the Indians. And like, this doesn't have those with the Braves um, with every once in a while. It gets scary though. And, you know, he was better earlier in the season than he was later. So, you know, is father time finally catching up with him? Those are things I kind of, I kind of like look at and think about. Uh, I like the idea of carrying Enoa, partially because of the, you know, again, he gives you that sort of, you know, he'll do, he can give you a spot start, he can give you a few innings. Uh, also, he is a righty that throws hard. And yep. uh, for a, a bullpen that checks notes, looking at the four people who are locks for the for the, the rotation are three lefties and a righty that's better than getting better at getting lefties out than righties. All true. Um, you know, maybe having a guy like that in your bullpen that if you have a certain amount of confidence in his upside, then maybe he can be a higher leverage option than that against right against, you know, a few right-handed hitters in a row or something. Maybe that makes sense. Um, yes. Beyond that though, uh, Bryce Wilson, I think he's, I think he deserves a shot in the sense that I think he deserves that. It, it seems like Mike Soroka isn't going to start the year in the rotation. Uh, they're just going to be careful as they should. Uh, especially with no DH, you know, don't rush him back running on the bases. I'm still can't believe they're making pitchers do that again. <laughs> but, um, you know, and Bryce was the pitcher when the Braves clinched the division. He outpitched Clayton Kershaw in the National Championship Series. Maybe he deserves a couple other shots in the rotation. Yes. So that would be, that, that's be, that would be kind of, if, if given the situation that we think is playing out, I, I would give Bryce another shot. Um, it, there as opposed to the bullpen and once Soroka comes back then you kind of play it by ear after that yeah I, I agree I, I put him here because I, th- I think it's conceivable that he's in the bullpen sure. but I, I certainly think that even if Soroka is okay and starts the first week of the season which I think is unlikely but possible um, you, I think I would rather have Bryce be the guy in, in Gwinnett starting every fourth day who's ready to step in and start um, that's a role that's going to exist on this team uh, and it probably will be Bryce Wilson Yep, so, the Gwinnett shuttle. That's and that's fine. And by the way, Eno is part of that as well. Like they could have, they could want him to do that. I mean, he's he's still 22. Like this is a guy who's not. I'm sure they are not foreclosing on Eno being a starter long term. Uh, that might still be in the cards. So we'll see what happens there. But those two guys are interesting, and Tomlin is Tomlin. Um, <laughs> elsewhere, there's a bunch of guys who are, uh, let's say question marks. Candidly, um. Chad Sabatka is on this 40-man roster. He had a, six, <laughs> a 6.21 ERA in 2019. He was terrible last year on a small sample size. 
I don't think he's very good, but he's on the forty man, so he's in the mix. Um, I mentioned I mentioned Patrick. Does throw, go he ahead. Does throw hard. He, he does. throws hard, and he throws very straight. Yeah. He he occasionally looks good. Uh, if he has it going, but he's remember remember he the debut. Good. Yeah, that debut for like a month, like no one could hit him, and he was throwing a hundred. Yeah, uh, uh, and then it, that, it, it, it it cooled off from there. Yes. Um, I, I mentioned Weigel before. You obviously have seen him pitch a lot more than I have, but Weigel's a guy that I know is kind of well-regarded still and could be an interesting bullpen option. Um, do you have thoughts on him as the prospect guru that you are? Uh, is he like a real opening day bullpen option for you or no? I am. It's possible. Um, and again, as the, as a p- pitching from the, pitching from the correct side helps him in this, in this regard here, but I am, I wonder how much of what we saw la- the last time we saw him was rust in terms of, kind of like his velocity not kind of being back up to what we were expecting to hear before he had the injury. Um, and he was being handcuffed pretty extensively in the minor leagues. Um, I, I guess the short answer is I don't know. Um, I want to believe that he could be at least a bullpen option. If the Braves think that they can st- continue to stretch him back out, then maybe he's a guy that you really want Gwinnett kind of getting used to being a starter again. You know, he did make his debut last year. It was a very brief and, frankly, not a great debut. Yeah. But he was also kind of he was also kind of put in like an impossible situation. Uh, it was kind of one of those games where, like, you know, the game had like the, the inning had gotten out of hand, and they're like, okay, here's your major league debut. Bases loaded, one out, or something like that. It was it was a, it was a rough situation. So it's not something I drew too many conclusions about. But at the same time, you I just it's hard to know what he looks like right now, and that's part of the issue we have. You know, other than that very small window into seeing what he looked like in that one one appearance where things had already kind of gotten sideways, you know, what does he look like? And that's the issue that we're having with a lot of the young guys that are in that Gwinnett range is like, you know, are these guys major league ready? I don't know what happened at the alternate site. You know, did they make the adjustments like Jesse De La Cruz? I haven't seen play in a year and a half. And, you know, <laughs> like yeah. it's, I mean, and he, I mean, I, he was a part of roster transactions and you know, we've heard whispers about things here and there, but it's not the same as actually observing them. So the short answer to your question is that, is he like talented enough? Of course, he's not just like some random, like, you know, like minor league retread, but in terms of kind of like what he looks like, how he's developed from the injury, has he gotten the strength in his, and the arm speed back up to kind of be able to throw the way that we're kind of used to seeing him throw uh, and the pitches he kinds of throw, he tends to throw once he's fully healthy. Uh, it's, it's harder to answer. And I will say that I think he might be behind some of these like veteran options that got brought in here recently. Yes. Yeah, interesting. And I want to make sure he's on the radar, but uh, that all makes sense to me. Um, then you have a couple of sort of non-major league contract guys that they brought in. One is Carl Edwards Jr. The other one is Nate Jones. Nate Jones is a like, you know, former closer, but he's in his mid thirties. That's definitely more of a pure flyer to me. Whereas Carl Edwards Jr. feels like someone who they went out and kind of targeted. He was fairly good last year in a very small sample size, but he's had some injuries, but he was quite good with the Cubs not that long ago. He's 29. He's not like 35. Um, So Edwards is the guy that I I have circled the entire time as the sort of, if they, if he looks good, he could be in the bullpen because he uh, fits a need as a right-hander as well to your point earlier. But, uh, I mean, Nate Jones, I'm not even sure we discussed him when they, when they signed him. It was a minor league contract. He hasn't been relevant in a long time. That feels like the... Uh, Again, that, that was like a Travis Snyder I almost thing. just like, said that exact around. same thing. That's like basically the Travis Snyder thing for the, for the bullpen. And look, relievers take weird paths. Like, see Tyler Matzik. 
for all of the examples of relief sure, taking sure. winter pass. But I, I'll be surprised if Nate Jones helps the Braves. Uh, Carl Edwards Jr. though, like actually is interesting to me. Yeah, and, and he and and the addition of Carl Edwards Jr. I think makes guys like Sean Newcomb and Tuki Toussaint's their positions a lot more tenuous because I mean there there's definitely some spots in this bullpen that you can make the make the roster. But when you start looking at like you know the, like Victor Arano was you know very much brought in with purpose. And, you know, Carl Edwards Jr., like, given his profile, he's not the kind of, you know, you know, non-roster invitee to spring trade. He's not the normal one. Now, Nate Jones, sure, you know, like, hey, he used to be able to pitch. Let's let him try again. But, you know, Nukem already had enough competition with the, all the lefties in the pen. And Tukey, I want so badly to be uh, be a guy. And if you're talking about a righty with really good stuff, yeah, he could figure it being that he'd be perfect. But every time, you know... It, he, he's given opportunities as a starter. He's been given opportunities as a reliever. And it just. I, I wonder, this is just me spitballing because I, I want to believe too. Tukey's been my guy for a long time and I, uh, I'm worried to be fair. I do wonder if a situation with Tukey is like, okay, I know you're not that old, but what if they just went to him and just said, okay, Tukey, you are a reliever now, like forever, like you're a reliever. And maybe that will change some stuff and what they do with him. Cause I feel like, you know, he's been handled kind of strangely at times. He's just also not been very good, which is worth pointing out. Oh, but he's, I, he's, he's definitely got the Lucas, Lucas Sims treatment of just like sitting around yeah. doing actual nothing. Yeah. That's what I mean. So I, I wonder if he, and this is, again, this is a total guess and just something I would say, uh, I do wonder if they're, cause no one doubts the arm talent. Like the, the arm is what it is. Like he's filthy when he's right. So I wonder if you just if they just kind of made a plan to say, you know, or maybe that maybe this maybe what maybe you go to Tuki and you say, all right, Tuki, for this year you are not going to start. You're going to be in our bullpen if it works, and we're not going to foreclose on you starting later on in a couple of years if things go well. But right now you're a reliever, and we're going to treat you as a reliever. And I wonder if that will help him. I don't know. We'll see. We 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 don't know that that hasn't been the case previously. You know what I mean? He's like 24 years old. It's crazy. Like he's not he's not old. Yeah. Like, no, it's, look. It is hard to throw strikes when you throw when your stuff's that good. It's hard to be a major league pitcher. And there yes. have been plenty of guys with great stuff that didn't get as far as he's gotten. So I'm you know, again, I I really wanna I wanna believe in Tukey. Um I think he'd be great for the game. I think he'd be great, you know, just as a part of the organization, uh, just a great human being, but it's you know, every time every time he's given an opportunity, he's certainly shown flashes where you're like, Wow, he like he like that first playoff run. He made the playoff roster because of his prowess as a reliever. You know what I mean? He was like in really good in that role, and you know, last two seasons not so much. Um, you have to throw strikes. You can't hang pitches. And you know, when you have quality of his stuff, you know, you feel like a, he wouldn't have these issues. But you know, throwing strikes is hard. So hopefully, he can start throwing more. Yeah. Um. And if you look at all the projections that are out there from the beat writers, like Tukey's not a projected member of the bullpen, so I'm not gonna. Overstated no. here. Uh, I'll be surprised if he opens the season in the bullpen. I think he could obviously be a guy that they use in Gwinnett and see what he, see what happens there. But um, I got to keep an eye on Newcomb. Is interesting. I've long said on this podcast that I think he be uh, he should go to the bullpen. Last year I said this before the season started. Uh, he was quite bad, obviously. He still has a minor league option available, which is worth noting on Newcomb. So maybe they start him in Gwinnett. Um, he's not old, but he's been good as a reliever. I mean, it's a small sample size. It's fifty four innings. But he has a 3.00 ERA and some pretty good peripherals as a reliever. 
So uh, it's a long time ago, and unfortunately for him, he's left-handed, and to your point, uh, lefties are not what they need right now necessarily, but I still believe that Sean Nuka could be a, a good reliever because uh, he has done it in the past, and his arm is good, but he also might just not be a thing anymore. I don't know. It's, that's a question that I have to be sure, but no one should be surprised, in my view, if Newcomb looks good in spring and is in the bullpen. That wouldn't, that wouldn't stun me at all. It wouldn't stun me. It, I guess my, the point I would make is that if Newcomb is in the bullpen, then the bullpen probably isn't very good. Because that means they had to add another lefty. Well, yeah, I mean, a really spotty. I'm only tracker. saying this because, like, if you look at, and we'll, we'll do this in a second, but if you look at the, the, they basically have four spots that are not for the top four. It's not great, man. Like, he's, Newcomb's competing with, like, Grant Dayton and Luke Jackson. Uh, and those guys are interesting, but they're not, it's not like they have a claim to be, like, a lot better than John Newcomb. So I'm with you in that. It's not likely to me that he does that he is the, is in the opening opening day bullpen, but the bar is kind of low, to be honest with you. For those last couple spots, I tend to agree, but I also think that some of the, like the guy like the the guys that they are taking like flyers on, like they they may actually might have better chances. Uh, and, and again, there's also guys like you know like the Bryce Wilsons of the world, and you know whatever they're doing with Kyle Wright at any given moment, and things like that. Like you know those are kind of spots that I think I think about too. But I just I I don't know if you have a guy in your bullpen, I feel like you need to have a situation where you want to use them. And I'm not sure there's situations where I would rather use Nukem than other than like a game where it's a complete and total blowout. Like that's there's, if that's the only way way I'd want to put him in the game, there's actually other guys on the roster that are better served to be playing in those games anyway. Yeah. And this is a point that Bowman, I think made in uh, his, his pre, his pre spring projections, but um, two guys, Luke Jackson and Grant Dayton have no minor league options left. So if it's close, they might lean to those guys. Sure. And then if it doesn't go well, they could just cut bait and that'll be it. But with Newcomb, who has an option and other guys that have options, they might go in that direction and, um, you know, just to be safe. Um, so, yeah, th- those are all the peripheral guys. Um, I will say this. This is, again, this is pre-spring. Everything we're, everything we're doing right now is pre-spring. It's February 27th. But the projection that I saw Bowman make a couple of weeks ago um, was the four guys that, we, that we've mentioned – of course. And the other four were Webb, Jacob Webb, yep. Luke Jackson, Grant Dayton, and Josh Tomlin. That is not an inspiring quartet, but I will say Jacob Webb has been incredible in the major leagues. A bit lucky, but uh, more more than a bit lucky. Uh, but he has he has a career, and yes, I said career, 1.06 ERA in 42, in 42 and a third innings. Now, that's really cool, and I hope it continues. Obviously, we all do. Uh, his FIP is three point nine two. His xFIP is four point eight nine. So I, I I legitimately laughed when I looked at when, when I was looking at the notes and I saw four point eight nine. I'm like, yeah, that's about right. So I'm not going to tell you that Jacob Webb is bad because I we don't know that to be true. Um, he is not as good as he has been so far. That I am confident of. But he does have the uh, edge of being a guy they used last year and seem to trust at a, de- at a decent level. And he's been pretty good in the majors. Obviously, he's been really good in terms of the actual ERA. But I think he is a pretty logical guy to be on the opening day roster if he looks decent in spring. Would you agree with that? I would agree with that. I, I think that the guy, I mean, it's it's the Luke Jackson. I think he's safer than Luke Jackson or Grant Dayton. I will say that. Uh, Jackson, I know Jackson does. I, I'm pretty sure Dayton as well. But Jackson is non-guaranteed because he was... Yep. Uh, 
he was tendered, but he's not guaranteed for sure. And Dayton might be as well. And this blows my mind every time I say it. Great Dayton is 33 years old. It gets me every time because I think there's this notion that Great Dayton's like a prospect and he's he's 33 years old. So, uh, very not a prospect. Very much not a prospect. So, Webb, I would put Webb ahead of Jackson and Dayton. Would you agree with that? Like, as of right yes. now, today. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, the, the, guy, the, guy, the guys who I think whose spot is like legitimately like open for discussion is are Luke Jackson and Greg Dayton. That's my feeling. Yeah. I think if I'm, if I was projecting right now, you go with the big four, um, Webb and a long man, uh, either Tomlin or Enoa, probably Tomlin just because they like Tomlin. But, um, that, that'd be my projection of what's going to happen of would be those six guys. And then you have two spots probably. Uh, and then you have Jackson, you have Dayton who is left-handed, but they don't necessarily need a left-hander right now. He has been pretty good, by the way. To be fair to Great Dayton, he has a, a sub-three ERA in two seasons with the Braves. It's only about 39 innings, yeah. but the peripherals yeah, give, are bad yeah, as well. Yeah, I'm about to say, give him the Jacob Webb treatment about what he actually he, Yeah, I mean, <laughs> he, he he's basically the same kind of uh, profile as Webb in terms of like getting very lucky, but also being worse in ERA and the peripherals than Webb. So, and also being again, 33 years old. So, and being a lefty and unfortunately for him, they, you know, the Braves could easily open in the bullpen with no other lefties other than Matzik, Minter and Smith. They don't need another lefty. I mean, they might carry one anyway, but they don't need one. Like, uh, I think Dayton's primary appeal is that he's (laughs) left-handed and, uh, well again, and the other guy that's a lock is a righty that, has, has reverse splits. splits, yeah. I mean, it's yeah. so they, I, they don't I, need a lefty. I, they really don't. No. Uh, especially, especially one who's flirting with father time and fate. Like I'm, I'm, I, I, I look. The results have not been bad. No, but but I think that like I like a I like a bullpen that doesn't have Grant and Dayton and has Carl Carl's Edwards Jr. in it better. If I Edwards Jr. looks good, I think yep. we're on the same page here. If he looks good in spring, put him on the team. Like this is yep. a guy who's young enough to still have it in theory. He's been good not that long ago. He's right-handed. He's got some juice in his arm. Like, that is a guy that I would circle as, if he looks pretty good in spring, just keep him. Um, but yeah, Dayton and Jack. I mean, Jackson's a guy who's, we've, we've discussed this so many times, I don't want to do the whole thing again. We defended him a lot in 2019 when he got put in the closer role and kind of had some bad luck. Last year, he was bad. Like, there's no way around it. Um, he also yeah. got a little bit unlucky, but he was still bad. There's no question. And no options, so we'll see what happens there. I don't know. I mean, honestly, knowing this is so hard to do right now, knowing nothing and not having seen these guys pitch at all for a long time. I mean, I would rather have Newcomb <laughs> than like than Dayton and Jackson. Uh, th- that's a guess on some level because Newcomb hasn't pitched. See, so long, I, I, but... I, I just dis- I disagree on Jackson. I, I I see upside with Jackson. I see upside with Newcomb. That, Newcomb that, is a reliever, Eric. I will I will never leave this corner. I will never leave the Sean Newcomb is a good reliever corner until he doesn't happen. I'm just saying. I'm in. It's one, this is one of my bits. I have a few bits in life, Eric. One of them is Ozzy always playing shortstop, which came up this week, and I did it on Twitter. People <laughs> laughed. I, I played the hits on Twitter this week with that. Uh, it was great. Uh, that, that's, that, that, is, that is kind of a personal favorite of Well, mine. no, it was, it was so good because this is a sidebar, whatever. But I just I, – I meant it seriously, but uh, one of the discussions was, was basically do the Braves need a backup shortstop? And I, I said with a straight face, and I wasn't kidding, I was like, it depends on if they're willing to play Ozzy a short. And I wasn't oh, saying they had I to missed, do that. I missed it. 
Oh, I, no, I it was it was Twitter. me and uh, it was me and Steven uh, from over at 755 and a couple of uh, people. Yeah, uh, yeah. But it was uh, I, I wasn't trolling either because that's I was being serious. Like if they actually were willing to let Ozzy be the Ozzy play shortstop if Dansby got hurt, they wouldn't have to have a backup shortstop because they they have Camargo too who can play there. Like he's not going to be good there necessarily, but he can play there anyway. Um, back to my bits. One of them is Nukem as a reliever, so I'm kind of biased. You're probably right here, <laughs> but I, I will always believe that Sean Newcomb might what be going to What situation would you trust Sean Newcomb in? Okay, okay, okay. N- none right now, today. None. Uh, you just, just said that he was I, a good reliever. I know. I, and there's no. Okay, this is, this, is, this, is great, this is great podcast fodder. I will say, just remember, close your eyes and remember that run when, when Newcomb was in the bullpen and was like their seventh inning guy and was good. That happened for like a f- half season. That did happen. We watched it. No, you're correct. What is the body of work? I mean, there isn't. There isn't any. It's not. There doesn't. What what body of work is? I know what the body. I mean, in that same run, by the way, was also a game where he like they had to evacuate the locker room because he broke the fire. Yeah, look, look. I. I mean, I don't. You're you're probably right here. As I said, this is not rational. I'm usually very rational. I think I. I I respect it. I believe. I I believe a little bit too much here, but uh, full circle. I am hoping, and I think you are too, we are hoping that Carl Edwards Jr. is in the bullpen because that means he pitches well in spring and that means he's on the team. And if that happens, then you're choosing him probably over Dayton or over Jackson. Yeah, um, I mean, AA seems to really like Dayton is my, is, is my, is the, is the thing I would say. Wasn't like he they, in LA he, too he, when he was there? Yes, yes. Yeah. He brought him from LA. There yeah, that's go. what, that's where my, I'll say this and I mean this sincerely. I would put Tukey in the bullpen over Newcomb. Uh, I mean, that's you're not going to get me to like yell at you about that because I, I love to, I, Tukey's my guy forever, so I'm not uh, upset about that. I I would guess neither. Just just for the record, I would guess neither Newcomb or Tukey's in the bullpen to start the season. That neither. that is my guess. Uh, I will say that a lot of this is fluid, though, especially with a lot of these veteran oh. guys. Like if Edwards doesn't look good, or if like you know, like Tomlin looks clearly gassed, or you know, like there's a lot of things that could change with this. Like this is so I, hard to do. Like to yeah, your point, <laughs> like bullpen guys, like spring matters the most because they're so volatile. Like one year they can look amazing, the next year you're like, what happened to this guy? Like his arm's about to fall off, yes. or you know, like he didn't like a guy didn't look good the year before. You know, he either got healthy or like changed an arm slot or like changed his one pitch. You know, like and all of a sudden he can you know get guys out again. Like these things really do matter. Yeah, um, and with, with the bullpen, and the sample sizes are so small, and it's so volatile. So yeah, I mean, every caveat on all of this stuff, because nothing will surprise me in terms of who makes the team in the bullpen, other than the big four. Um, that's it. Really is extremely wide open. There are probably some favorites coming in, but if Jacob Webb has a terrible spring, he can play himself off the roster. It's not like he's a lock by any means. Like he's, no, he's not. So we'll see what happens have, there. But uh, yeah, it's I have awesome. a question for you. Uh-oh. Okay. This is going to be painful. Go ahead. If Tyler Matzik turns into a pumpkin, do the Braves win the division? Okay, so I'm going to answer this. This is a good thing. We'll transition here and and talk about the four guys briefly. Uh, There's been a lot, and I'm guilty of this too, but there's been a lot of assumptions being made, I've seen on Twitter, about both Matzik and Minter. Uh in a way that I am not willing to make those assumptions because, you know, Matzik was awesome last year. No question about it. He was lights out, including in the playoffs. He was really good. Um, he had, he's got quite a route to get here. And 
the small sample sizes of last year make it prone for some variability. So you said Matic. I, I mean, you could make the same argument for Mincher, to be honest. Obviously, Mincher is younger, and Mincher was good more recently before that. But are, are you 100% sold that AJ Mincher is the guy we saw last year? Uh, I, I am much closer to him being that guy. He might, and he has a chance of being better than that guy too. Yeah, I agree. But but Matzik is the. I mean, and look, that run that Matzik was on was no. the stuff of legend. Well, like, and it, the, the good thing about Matzik is that he has the tools and the pedigree. It's not like, like Matzik is not a guy who came out of nowhere. He did in the sense that he was left for dead, basically I, in terms I, of baseball. I was about, I, I was about to say, like, but you know, they, but they, I'm they, talking about as a prospect. Of the, well, sure. He, like, he I mean, used to be a big. I'm not saying he, they obviously found him out of nowhere. I'm not saying otherwise. I'm saying the talent was not a problem for Tyler Matzik at one point. Like, he was considered to be a pretty big prospect at one point in time. Mentor two, obviously. So those guys have the talent. But my overarching point, and I was going to do this to you, man. You kind of beat me to it. Is I think it's more likely than not that one of those guys is not very good this year. And I'm having a hard time telling you which one I'm probably, yeah. I probably agree with you that it's more likely to be Matzik. And I'm not trying to pour cold water. I promise you. But if you just do the math on bullpens, volatility, last year, small sample size, and just the way this, this stuff goes, it's kind of, un, not, I, I won't say unlikely. It is far from a lock that both Matzik and Minter are both good this year. That's all I'll say. Uh, keep your guard up is all I'll say about that. Um, yep. But to your point about Matzik, like the question, so I answer your question, they can win the division, but man, they need these guys to be pretty good as a whole because the other guys, as we just talked about for a half hour, are not particularly interesting. They're they're pretty they're pretty reliant on these top four, and by the way, bullpens, as we've said a million times already on this podcast, Carl Edwards Jr. could be awesome this year. Like pick pick a guy, could be Enoa. Like, you could find this year's Tyromatic and have a guy just be out of his mind for a year. That's happened to the Braves multiple times in the last half decade during this run. They found a guy who's just been awesome for a year. Jacob Webb having a 1.06 ERA was a good example of that. But uh, they, can, they can win the division with one of these guys, specifically Matzik, I guess, well, here, not being very good. But it's it's harder. Well, here's what here's my rationale for asking the question, right? Matzik being good is a focal point of uncertainty that isn't just a, a regression thing, right? Like AJ Minter and Chris Martin do not have track records of being able to stay healthy. And Martin's going to be just, 35, by the way. Yep. Thir- 35. And like, we like, certainly there's some minor stuff that has like dinged him uh, famously against the, the the St. Louis Cardinals, you know the you know him being hurt then. He's had injury stuff. Nothing nothing severe. Nothing that makes you go wait a minute. And in Minter's case, I, you feel bad for him, you know, for the 2019 season because like he literally gets in a car wreck and like gets his whole spring screwed up. And yeah, you know, that, like, that's I, the explanation for Minter. Like the whole thing about Minter is like if you want to be very very kind about it, and this is probably right, is that he's been really good except for that, and that's like super explainable. Yeah, he, like I think he was just more hurt than we knew. Um, but if you have those two, but but but, and again, this is also a guy that's had surgery before, and like you know he's had injury issues in the past. So like it's not like Minter hasn't been hurt before, right? So you have those two guys that have there are in addition to being the general volatile reliever commodity that they are. There's also injury issues, and then Matzik, who was literally came out of, like picking out of the clearance bin and put together you know a 13K per nine rate. And 
where do you remember the game where like he like like walked the bases loaded and then struck out the next three batters? Well, that's the thing about Matzik going yeah. back in the past yeah. is like he doesn't he didn't have control. Like if you look at Zips, by the way, he his projection for his walk rates like six per nine. Because if you go if you and Zips uses obviously it's just a formula, but his pre his pre twenty twenty walk rates are like bad. comical. <laughs> so yep. it's hard. He's an impossible guy to project. So that's just not you know don't trust Zips there. But I would just say it's only twenty nine innings from last year for Tyler Matzik. And it might be real. Like, he looked awesome. There wasn't like he was smoking mirrors where he was getting mashed and just right at guys. He was dominant. He actually was dominant. So, hopefully that happens again. But it was 29 innings. And he's only 30. Yeah. So, that's that's not too bad considering there wasn't a ton of wear and tear there in terms of his arm stuff. But, I don't know, man. Like, Yeah, and then you have – but you have, you have that guy. You have two guys who have some injury stuff in their past. And then you have Will Smith who – wasn't real last year, the, and, he, and he couldn't. And look, he had COVID early, and like, there's there's reasons to think that why things were a little wonky. But like, all of a sudden, giving up all these home runs, and he allowed you know, almost four home runs per nine. That's that's tough. I mean, again, it, it's a super small sample size last year, um, but it is kind of funny. And this is what this is what fans do, and I, I'm not making fun of anybody about this, but um, everyone has, well, not everyone. I think the consensus is kind of like, all right, Will Smith will be fine. And I agree with that, like strongly. Will Smith sure. is going to be good. I'm, I'm. It's not impossible that he's bad, but I would certainly bank on him being good this year. Um, but it's also like looking for the the biggest positive about Will Smith, and also kind of waving away any regression on Matt and Minter. And it's like, all right, those those top four guys are going to be awesome. It's like, well, if you do the math on bullpens, it's not super likely that all four are awesome. It's or awesome and or healthy. To your point. About uh, yeah. about durability, so it's possible that that happens. But if you look at this bullpen being worse than last year, it already is worse on paper because they lost, you know, they lost O'Day. Shane Green is now still a free agent, but he's not not here right now. Knock on wood. Uh, Mark Melanson is gone. It's already worse on paper, and the Braves, you know, they got a lot of their bullpen last year. It's it's a sneaky important thing. Like the rotation was the focus of last year all season long because of how bad it was. And the lineup was awesome, at least at the top. But the bullpen, they, this is the top six, seven bullpen in the league. And I'm not sure, you know, in fact, I, I am sure, you cannot predict this bullpen to be that right now. It could happen, yeah. but... And I and I don't think it's a bad bullpen. I, let's be clear about that. It's not It's think... not bad. It's not bad. No, it's, no. It might be, it I, might I, be average, though. I, I, I would call it above average. I would. Having four guys that you, like, would trust towards the end. You might be that, right. I'm just that, saying, it, it might... But, I think it's closer to average than good. But I understand. So yeah. that that's like a very small thing. But after the bull, the bullpen was a legitimate strength, and we all knew it last year. Coming into the season, we were like, look, this bullpen's awesome. And it was. Oh, the, the Braves did not lose a Tommy Malone start. Did not lose one. Well, think about it. They, they spent all that money on the bullpen in the middle of the 2019 season. Then last year, they had all those guys back, plus Will Smith, and they got that from Minter and... Matzik. So, like, yep. you had Melanson, Green, uh, O'Day, who was pretty good <laughs> last year, yep. uh, and then all these guys, and, like, they, you know, they were... Bullpen, the bullpen was legitimately very, very good. There there were some moments when the long relief was not good, and, like, the, the depth, like, Luke Jackson was not good. And I, there were still guys in the bullpen that weren't great, but the bottom, like, the, like, the top six guys were awesome. <laughs> like, yeah. And Tom and Tomlin certainly had his moments too. So 
Um, and, and again, I make the Tommy Malone crack because you know that one of those games the Braves scored twenty nine runs. Uh, they did. Kind of hard. It was gonna be kind of hard to lose that one, even with Malone. Oh, they, they were they were losing that game early. They were not. That yeah. was not a wire to wire to wire to wire win. Despite uh, yeah. runs. No, no, it was not. That was a that was one of the weirder baseball games I've ever encountered. Uh, but yeah, I mean, to, to the there. to the point about the bullpen, it's you just said they're above average, and that that very well might be true. I just want to point out that in addition to the to the normal variance in bullpens, they are worse on paper. They just are. And yep. I think I think it's been underrated, not by us, but by some people, that the bullpen was a was a strength last year that I think people acknowledge, but not not enough. The 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 luxury of having that kind of depth and quality in your bullpen last season was uh a it was a luxury. It's just what it was. So this year they had these four guys that we think are good, that I think are all individually likely to be good. But the, if you do the math on that, if if all four of these guys are 80% likely to be good, that means it is more likely than not that one of them is not good. Well, and I will say about the bullpen last year is that how important they were was magnified by the problems in the rotation. Right? That is true. Like we, we saw the bullpen in like six, six of the nine innings a lot. And, that, and that's, um, that's also the reason why the bullpen doesn't look better in those like full league metrics because – of how much they had to throw. If you if you just like, yep. isolate the, the the real bullpen guys, like the numbers were great. The problem was all of the terrible like third inning bullpen games when they had to like throw out whoever was fresh that day, and that's when they got in trouble. Yeah, and I I think that and that's something I've thought about fairly recently is that if it was a 162 game season last year and the same things happen, where you know like Soroka's hurt, you have guys opt out, Hamels never comes back. The Braves won't win the division. Uh, probably, probably not. Because, because you could, because you could, the, the, how much these guys had to throw last year, you could that that pace was not something you could keep up. You just could, like they barely could do it over sixty. Yeah, no, I, I think you're not, you're not wrong. I'm sure people will be upset that you said that, but I think you're, I think you're right for the most part. It's not well, impossible I mean, that, that they wouldn't have won the division, but they certainly would have been in a more precarious position. <laughs> and, and, and this is not because I like I hate the lineup or anything. Like literally the rotation was gone. Like it's they didn't, like they didn't have one. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Robbie Erlin was starting games. Tommy Malone was starting games. Like you were throwing you were just having to hope that you know random retreads would, would get it done. Maybe they call up Ian Anderson earlier under that situation and like there's a lot of things that we don't know. But it's you know like that that rotation being as in bad bad of a shape as it was like you just couldn't throw these guys that much and they just you can't have relievers go that much over a full season like that. Now that said, I don't think that this bullpen is going to have to do that this year. So maybe if they're not as good, it won't be as magnified in our minds. Yeah. Because again, we we had the bullpen was so important last year because like they I don't think they would have gotten to the finish line without. Them. I just don't. Um uh, I pulled this up just now, Eric, to to my point a minute ago about how good the real bullpen guys were last year. This is the top nine for the Braves and as, as I said nine for the Braves in the bullpen last year by Fangraphs War I'm going yeah. re- to read their ERAs to you Tyler Matzik 2.79 with a 1.92 fit by the way uh, Chris Martin 1.00 AJ Minter 0.83 Shane Green 2.60 Josh Tomlin 2.95 Darren O'Day 1.10 Mark Melanson 2.78 Grant Dayton 2.30 Jacob Webb 0 Those are their real relievers last year. The only guy 
the only guy in the bullpen that was in a semi-prominent role that was bad, like flat-out bad last year, was Luke Jackson. Luke Jackson had a 6.84 ERA. And then Will Smith obviously was not good. But even then, Will Smith had ended up with a 4.5 ERA, which is not what you want from Will Smith, but like is a fairly normal ERA for 16 he, innings. Yeah, and he finished pretty strong, too. So, to my to what we've been saying the entire time, you, this is not a controversial statement. You cannot expect... Well, some of those guys are gone anyway, but you, you can't expect every single high leverage guy you have to go out and have a sub three ERA for the season. That happened last year with the exception of Will Smith. And th- that's not going to happen again. I don't think, especially over a long season. Well, yeah, the full season makes it even basically impossible with the full season. But even then, like it's just a reminder of how ridiculous the real bullpen guys were. <laughs> Here's some more ERAs for you. This is, this is great. This is great podcasting, but uh, some of the blow up guys that really killed the, uh, the Braves bullpen ERA overall. Chad Sabaka in four outings had a 12.27 ERA. Yep, uh, Tuki had a 15.75 ERA in four outings. Uh, Tuki. Uh, Chassin, 7.2 ERA in five innings. I Chris, forgot that he was even on the team last year. Yeah. Uh, Chris Rusin, uh, 8.1 ERA in three point three and a third innings out of the bullpen. Bryce okay. Wilson, 7.04 ERA out of the bullpen. Robbie Erlin, <laughs> 9.53 ERA out of the bullpen. So. If you're wondering why the Braves don't look great, like they're like more like ninth, like eighth or ninth instead of re- what they really were, which is like top three. It's because everybody else was bad. <laughs> well, and, and and again, like you know, like and in Bryce in Bryce's defense, like he as a starter, he was good. Oh yeah, no, I, I'm not uh, piling on Bryce Wilson by any means. It's just funny to look at this yeah. and just kind of realize they were, actually, they were actually better than what they showed as a unit and they showed as a unit pretty well. Right. So. They they were top 10 in like basically any metric you would look at for bullpen evaluation. And that included all those blowups by guys who didn't matter. So yep. it's just gonna, it, it's, it's still, you could still argue that it's a strength. I'm not sure that I would argue that's a huge strength anymore, but I think it's at least an average bullpen. It might be better than that. It's just yeah, not it's, on paper wanna, as good as it was last year. It's not. Yeah. I need to see, I need to see spring like that. that it really does matter. Like you see, like if like if Edwards looks good, I mean ja- Jackson looking good would go a long way. I'm just gonna go ahead and throw that well, out. There. No one's gonna believe it other than me and you, because you know fa- the fan base has there's there, there's a few guys the fan base is just not rational on. One is Luke Jackson. One is like Tyler Flowers. Uh, one is I have I'm not gonna say his no, name. No, no, don't don't don't, uh, no, don't invoke him. Don't invoke him because he'll get signed tomorrow. But, but there's there's a few there's a few guys though that like the the fan base just doesn't care about reason they're just frustrated. and i get it luke, luke is a guy who uh has looked bad in some memorable moments <laughs> and that has gotten everybody uh i would say uh have that imprinted in their mind but regardless I- i'm with you like luke jackson being your eighth reliever is not a problem if he looks okay like it's fine now so now that, if that said if alex anthopolis decides that now that the podcast has been dropped Shane Green. So the shine green, Shane, sign Shane Green. Go ahead and put us on ta- on tape as saying that would be a very good signing. It makes the Braves bullpen significantly better, uh, particularly in the late innings. Uh, I think that having that that righty option that is actually also good at getting righties out later late in games too. When you're going back to traditional kind of use of how the bullpens are being used and you know st- strategy without the DH. I, I like him. I would like him a lot being in the fold. Uh, it certainly would complicate some other guys. Uh, Luke Jackson would probably be the guy that would be in the most trouble in that particular case. But, you know, 
so that you know we don't have to like re-record a podcast because <laughs> Shane Green's back into the fold. We will go ahead and tell you Shane Green good. Uh, I, I think he was be- better than what he even looked like on paper last year, and I, you know, obviously he made the mobile thing significantly better. Yeah. That's a good idea. Let's just say this now. Uh, Shane Green is 32. He's still a free agent at this moment Saturday night. It should not surprise anyone. It will not surprise me if the Braves re-sign Shane Green in the next few days. So that wouldn't stun anyone. Um, he is arguably the best reliever available still on the market. So if the yeah, Braves but- wanted him, they probably could have signed him already, which is the point of uh, frustration. But, you know, this is a guy who's had a sub-3 already the last two seasons. He is uh, a good He's not great. He's not, like, dominant. But this is a guy who has high leverage experience. He is better than the other... He's definitely, at a minimum, the fifth best reliever on the team, uh, if you want to... If you, if you, if you, if oh, you, I mean, I mean... Not, not even, not even close. So, yeah. Shane Green... You can debate on how, on how good Shane Green is, and there are some numbers on either side of that, if you want to get technical. But, uh, at a minimum, Shane Green would help the Braves. Uh, I wouldn't pay him a ton, uh, but and obviously they're not going to do that right now. But he would help them, and I, I think... I'm definitely rooting for that to happen because look, he's just, he's better than, uh, Jacob Webb and well, Luke Jackson and Craig Dayton or whoever else he would help them. And this whole time I've been saying, I, I, I'm wrong right now. I've been saying that the whole time that I thought that Braves were going to sign a reliever and they haven't done it yet. So maybe it'll be Shane Green. He's the last hope. I think <laughs> as well. Well, I mean, I don't know what the last hope. Like again, like I just don't think these bullpen. I mean bad. a real, I mean a real reliever to a real contract. Like not like uh, Carl Edwards Jr. On, on a minor league deal, and that 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 might work out because again, I think we like that. I mean, I thought the whole time that they were going to sign, you know, not necessarily Melanson or Green, but someone in that Melanson Green level that was like worth a few million bucks. And Green's kind of the last guy left for that. So okay. fair, fair enough. I, I hope I, I will say I will say that I was much more worried about the bench. Than I was about the bullpen. Even I knowing, agree. And this was before guys like Carl Edwards Jr. was get, were getting claimed like stuff like that. I was much like that. Bull, that bench was legitimately awful. Now the, the the name that they brought in for competition and stuff. I'm like, okay, that's the, that that whatever the end result is, I will feel reasonable about that. It also but, matter. It also matters a little bit less as well. Like it does matter as we discussed last week on the podcast. The bench you can't ignore the bench when uh, the season is a full season. You have to pinch hit and do all that stuff. You got to have some bench guys. But the bullpen matters more than the bench does, uh, in on the whole, sure. especially if you when you have quality starting players. So anyway, we've we've done enough, Eric and I. We went long on this one, but that's okay. It's going to happen every once in a while. Uh, Eric, yeah. if, if you have any final thoughts, please share them. If not, we'll get out of here. Uh, we are finishing up the twenty twenty one season preview content on the site. Last two weeks have been very busy for us. Uh, we're going to be kind of winding down with like you know position prospects that we might see some bench stuff and then previewing the rest of the division. And then after that, it's kind of rolling into spring training coverage and all that stuff. So continue to please read, uh, read what's coming up on the site uh, and be very kind to Brad on, on social media. I like to pick on him a lot, but you know, <laughs> but, but make sure you like send nice tweets to at BT. Rowan. Don't do that. Like, like he don't and it, look, he wants all of your opinions on Hawks related trade questions, but uh, the occasional kind word sent his way uh, would be nice because you know, I, my understanding is that uh, people were sliding into his DMs and not being particularly kind, uh, and I'm not a big fan of that because he's one of the hardest working people in the industry that I know and is a dear friend of mine. So be nice to him and say nice things. Yeah, don't do that. That's fine though. But thank you, Eric. For all <laughs> that. Uh, yeah, it was, a, it was there's, there's been some vitriol recently. But it's, that's okay. Mostly Hawks related, actually not not really Braves related. Yeah, well, but, uh, well, yeah, don't don't say nice things about Lloyd Pierce. Occasionally, I upset people on Braves Twitter too. 
I know you'll be shocked by that, Eric. Occasionally, yeah. I say yeah. something that is not popular on that side of Twitter as well. So anyway, uh, please subscribe to the podcast. Check out Eric's content as well. The site's been, as you said, super busy and awesome preview content, like pretty thorough, like in a way that nobody else is. Uh, we're doing a great job. I haven't done anything, so I'm. you guys are doing a great job. Uh, I'm just, <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, I'm hosting a podcast. That's all I'm doing. So shouts to Chris, shouts to Eric, yeah, Demetrius, about- and everybody else. And, well, yeah, Chris yeah. has been... Chris has been a machine. Chris is a machine. I learned all of my uh, website running protocols from Chris Wills. So there you go. All right, fellas, uh, or women, or whoever else is listening to this podcast, children, uh, pets, whoever's listening to the podcast. Especially pets. Thank Especially you for pets. joining us. As always, uh, follow Eric. Follow me if you'd like to. Follow the site. Subscribe, rate, review. And we'll see you all next time.